We're glad you could join us for episode 89 of Fatalists. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, and good to be back. Yeah, good to be back, finally, eventually. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, people out uh, there might, we've had definitely a longer time, so we, but, uh, you know, like just a couple of days now when we, in the midst of new Lost Girl seems longer, I guess. Yeah, and you know, crazy times at work as we head into the holidays. Although I did do, I, I I don't think I mentioned this to you that I took the batteries out of both of my clocks in the classroom mm-hmm. and set them to twelve o'clock. <laughs> and and nobody has asked me really. About yes, so uh, I'm not sure what that says. Well, but, they get to uh, have their their uh, phones out and everything now, so they don't need the clock. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, well, anyway, speaking of phones, we'd love to hear from you listeners via email at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com, website at fatalist.podbean.com, where you can leave a voicemail via the speak pipe tab, or just record your own audio clip and send the MP3 as an attachment. Now, we're, we're not going to go into much depth, but we're both watching the sci-fi miniseries Ascension that got a huge buildup, and, and we don't want to do any spoilers because, man... I've only seen the first episode. You've seen the first two. The third is tonight. The end of the first night. Yeah, it would be the spoiler of all spoilers. So we're not even going there. Yeah. I think what we can just say fairly is the acting is, I I think it's mediocre. You think it's a little better than that. I think it's okay. Um. The uh, the writing, I think, is okay. You think it's a little better. I think we both agree uh, the special effects and the, the uh, production values are really outstanding. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good, especially in HD. Yeah. And so it's definitely worth checking out. You know, the, they build it as, you know, two-hour uh, episodes. And the first night, it's actually like about an hour and a half. Right, because they have and, the limited commercial interruption. Which yeah, means so the I first don't know what the, 45 minutes, not a lot of commercials, then for the last 45, tons of them. All right. Now, Michael told me the second night was back to normal length commercials. Right. So, yeah. Uh, normal. Yeah. It like lasted two hours with normal amounts of commercials in there. So. Yeah. Yeah. But but definitely worth checking out for your, uh, you know, for sure. Yeah, really. Yeah, definitely highly recommend. And it's really you can you can binge it in three days. Actually, if you wanted to binge it, you could probably knock it out in the night. Honestly, yeah, yeah. If you didn't After have to get up and go to work the next day, but right, exactly. Uh, but anyway, tonight we're here to talk about season five, episode two of Lost Girl, starring Anna Silk, Chris Holden Reed, Zoe Palmer, and apparently Cassini Solo. But before we get to that, Wayne, okay, do we care that my co-host, Mister Marvel Universe? The guy who corrects the grammar of the show's writers did not mention the discrepancy in the pronunciation of Bifrost, or is it Bifrost? Because I just watched the two Thor movies, and they call it Bifrost. They call it the Bifrost there? Yes. Okay. I, I, yeah. Okay, you got me. All right. So you need to go back and, you need to go back and rewatch. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, for some reason I was going with the uh, the alternate pronunciation that they did on Lost Girl. It sounds more Scandinavian. Well, I now I did go online and, you know, you go dictionary.com. I forget which dictionary thing I went to that they have the audio pronunciation. And the one I listened to did kind of lean towards the Bifrost. Uh-huh. Although it was uh, not the F sound. They kind of went the Bifrost. Bifrost. Yeah. So uh, There you go. 
regardless, I uh, you know I thought I'd throw that one at you. Well, if you are a Scandinavian listener, you can you know send us an email, send us an MP4 with uh, the correct pronunciation on there. Yes, but either way, cool concept. I really like it, and uh, you know, not to, again, not to go too off on another tangent, but I really enjoyed both Thor movies. Yeah, the second one. You know what I didn't like about the second one is. Like, you got Christopher Eccleston here, right? Who's a really great actor. And you're like, psyched this Christopher Eccleston. And he's speaking in freaking some alien language almost the whole movie. It's like, what is this crap? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, you could have gotten anyone to do that. <laughs> like, why you hired Christopher Eccleston and having spouting mumbo jumbo for almost the whole movie? It's ridiculous. Yeah, no question. So, uh, well, why don't we get on to uh, Lost Girl? And, and, you know, sometimes, some weeks, it's more difficult than other weeks to find something good to talk about Project X. But tonight, it's like, what don't you talk about? So what'd you end up deciding to go with? Right. Well, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Hades and a little bit about Tartarus. So uh, Hades is one of the three main gods. And if you've read your Percy Jackson, you know this. Um, and certainly when uh, you know, Zeus... Conquered their uh, father uh, Saturn. That's the Roman Cronus. Cronus, yes. I think, is the, uh, the the Greek the Greek name, and I think Saturn's the the, the Roman name. But um, so anyway, Zeus uh, Cronus ate his his children, right? And except for Zeus, and so Zeus then uh, beats down his dad and releases his siblings who are still alive because they're gods, um, and. So and they and they won Olympus, and so then the the three main ones, which are uh, Zeus, Hades, and Poseidon, kind of drew lots to see who would get what. And Zeus got the sky, Poseidon got the uh, the sea, and um, you know Hades kind of got the raw end of the deal there as king of the underworld. Yay! So he's kind of a, a grumpy god all the time, and uh, and then Persephone, of course. Uh, is the girl he lured down to Hades, um, with, you know, self-named uh, place of the underworld. And she hung out there for a while. He actually grabbed her, pulled her under, like the earth split open. He grabbed her, brings her down. And while she's down there, she doesn't eat or drink anything except for a pomegranate. She eats like, oh, seven seeds, I think, or something like that. And... Uh, um, Persephone's mother, Demeter, comes looking for her. Uh, she's like, you know, give her back. You know, Demeter's a pretty big guy, too. And she's like, you know, give her, give her back or we're going to start some stuff here, Hades. He's like, well, you know, okay, you can have her back. But, you know, she ate those seven, three, seven seeds from the pomegranate. And, you know, she kind of can't leave now. You know, she's got to stay here because she ate of something in Hades. And uh, so they end up working out a deal where... She's there half the year, and then the other half of the year, she's able to come up and be with her mother. And so that's why, according to the Greeks, we had summer and spring, because that's when Persephone is with her mother, and Demeter is happy, and the earth is in bloom. But the other half of the year, uh, Persephone is down in Hades, and Demeter is sad, and so we have fall and winter. So uh, cool. I think we saw a lot of that in um, in this episode, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I think they... they divided it up a little differently i think she said like six weeks and six thousand years or something but yeah it definitely is not that in the actual mythology but right right uh, yeah because it was you know meant to explain the seasons right and everything yeah. so 
Um, Tartarus, again, uh, plays a huge role in the Percy Jackson books. Uh, so that's actually where my kids are getting all their mythology now, which actually I appreciate the Percy Jackson books in that way, is that you say things like Tartarus and Hades and Zeus, and the kids are like, oh, yeah, or, you know, Hercules, and oh, yeah, the Nemean lion. And you know, they know all these uh, this Greek mythology that, that actually kids really didn't know before. Um, so despite it's being in a Percy Jackson book, which actually aren't that bad, but, um, no, yeah. I agree that from what I, the little bit I know, I mean, it's, they're no Edith Hamilton, but you know, right. But yeah, but you know, they're pretty, you know, fairly accurate so far as the legends and everything and kids know about them. So it's cool. Tartarus then is kind of both a, a deity and the underworld. And it's, and, and this is from the, uh, this is the, the prison for the Titans. And that's how it, it figures in Percy Jackson because uh, Cronus is down there and he's trying to get free and Percy has to stop us and everything like that. Um, and, and so it's kind of like just, again, this is another kind of even further down than Hades, like a bigger pit of, of the underworld than, than even Hades and where they, where end up, uh, Cronus ends up getting buried as, as I just said. Um, and so there's all kinds of stuff and everything, but you know, so we see there again, this, this concept of the underworld, we've actually seen, uh, kind of a crossover, I guess you will, between Valhalla and Tartarus and everything. And, um, you know, it's kind of strange how we, it is Tartarus and not Hades and everything. So, you know, as far as like, does this mean anything? Are they, are they getting their mythology mixed up? Am I getting it mixed up? I don't know what's going on, but you know, it's all basically underworld stuff. So in fact, uh, I don't know if I ever told you, I met my wife in classical mythology class. Oh yeah. Way back when. Oh, so. you can, well, you guys should like you know, romantically read the Percy Jackson books together. Yeah, or something. I'll mention that to her. Right <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, anyway, about this Fifty Shades of Grey. Let's watch the Lightning Thief or read it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anyway, we're here to talk about season five, episode two, "Like Hell," part two, which aired Sunday, December fourteenth, on Showcase in Canada. Written by former showrunner Emily Andres and directed by the ever-present Paolo Barsman. So, Paolo uh, knocks another one out of the park. Yep. Great episode. I mean, really, I mean, they're, they're really coming out of the gates, all cylinders firing. And, 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 you know, again, tonight, there's still so far to go, but they give us a lot to work with. Bo manages to leave Valhalla after learning that her father is Hades. Which seems so anticlimactic, you know, all this nonsense about, well, not nonsense, but all this buildup to her meeting him and everything. It's just like, oh, your dad's Hades, but uh, there you go. Well, you know, I, I know what you're saying, but I, I, I still think there's so much that's got to go on uh, regarding that. We, we still haven't seen him, although I guess I know that's what, yeah, that's what's killed me. Like you think that's what they would do, you know, have some kind of dramatic meeting there instead of the, still this, he's still in the, in the periphery, you know, well, no, they, they met his hands, met uh, her throat. Was right? his hand, was it his hand though? It yeah, looked like a point. kind of a wolf man hand. Yeah, there. Good point. Know. Now also we saw, you know, desiring a new life. Kenzie bids a tearful bow. Goodbye. And, you know, I guess we have to ask, is it goodbye? Is it goodbye for good? Uh, you know, I don't when know. When is goodbye, goodbye, right, Dave? Could be. Yeah, well, yeah, true. <laughs> uh, and, and then Tamsin, who's, you know, maybe taking some steps towards cementing her place in the family. So, uh, you know, there was a lot going on, a lot of good stuff. But opening scene, 
Kenzie, you know, as we said last week, where is she going to end up? And as we all suspected, she's buried alive in her coffin. Uh, lighting matches. Uh, hello, oxygen depletion, Kenzie. Yeah, but I guess, you know, if you're locked in a coffin, you might maybe want it to happen quickly, you know. So. Uh, I guess so. Now, you know, but, but like I said, it's it's a total um, homage to, I, I think, purposefully done for, to, um, you know, for the, the end of The Vanishing. Oh, okay. Well, so Now, you and I talked because one of my questions was, how did Lauren and Dyson know to go to her grave but you said i must have missed it you know they got some kind of message because obviously yeah, they went sure to her grave stacy said something like yeah she's going to be you know coming back to life and they just i guess put two and two together or right that, that bow traded herself for her right? right that's right that's right so uh so anyway so we see kenzie's now at the we assume it's the same medical facility that we saw in the season premiere lauren's tending to her and and tells dyson and lauren that Bo traded herself for kenzie which you know, now that I think about it, they didn't seem to know. But all right, well, anyway, however, well, I, it happens. I, I got a little bone of, again being the pedantic individual. Okay, um, you know, Lawrence has traded herself to who? And I, I just cringe, man. I just cringe because it should be to whom? And Lawrence, a doctor, and it's just this this shoddy grammar is just well, beneath well, her. I guess we would argue that it's colloquial speech. I don't, I don't like it though. Okay, well, you know. You're, you're gonna have to deal with it you know <laughs> those crazy canadians i'm gonna slap some grammar police citations down on lost girl man oh, oh nice i like <laughs> it all right well we then see in this opening scene bows in some kind of dark underground circular maze you know this this disused fountain of some court uh some sort is at the center she's wearing this black gown which you know later when we see her have that flashback to the nursery and she's in the white gown i'm like whoo gosh shivers yeah but you know then she says i was never any good at mazes because you never taught me yeah that was very petulant you know <laughs> yeah but then let's make up for some lost time shall we yeah dad them, them some them some fighting words there yeah so you know great opening scene we, you know we get the question about kenzie answered uh we find out where Bo is or or yeah, you know, I guess at this point we don't really know where she is. But but like you know, you're mentioning Tartarus as as almost another level uh, of hell, and you know, clearly wherever she is, it's 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 down rather than up. So yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. But we, I mean, we kind of figured that right. Yeah, from last now, week it didn't look like she was going to a, a happy place when she got pulled down to that you know black void or whatever. Right. Now, every storyline that's going on in this episode is all geared towards helping Bo return, right? So so that, you know, you, you already mentioned Stacy. So, you know, we don't see a lot of her, but uh, and I'm wondering how much we're going to see of her this season because I, I'm really starting to like her a lot. You know? Stacy? Yeah. Yeah, she, I mean, she's, she's kind of funny. Yeah, and, and I yeah. mean, you know, we've seen dyson with these different pairings i mean you know obviously early in the series run it seemed like he was always with Bo, uh or with hale of course but you know so now we see dyson and stacy and they're on this mission to save Bo. and and then remember there's an imbalance in valhalla because kenzie's soul has been released and, and sent back so now they've got to replace it so so stacy's on that mission to do that we see them at valhalla's gate dyson and, and stacy are talking 
Apparently, this is one of her first field missions in, I forget how long she says, decades or it was quite a while because she's got to fetch a soul. And then Dyson starts playing her, right? Well, yeah. At least she goes along with the the flirtation there. Well, well, see, that's what I was wondering about because, you know, he starts, tells her he doesn't love Bo. You know, she, she needs a soul close to Bo's heart which was apparently Freya's request, which, you know, makes sense. And sure. he offers to help her find, you know, a suitable soul, right? And I guess I'm wondering, because she seems pretty, pretty perceptive, how he manages to fool her. Or are we to believe that he no longer loves Bo in that way? No, I, I think he's trying to get one over on Stacy. And whether Stacy is really... Just kind of like, oh boy, he's so cute, and he's kind of into me. So you know, I'm you know just like gaga about this, or is she kind of playing along? And it seems like with what happens later, she's just kind of playing along a little bit, but also at the same time enjoying the flirtation, participating in the flirtation, but knowing that well, this guy's just you know trying to pull one over on me because uh-huh. she doesn't really buy the vex thing, right? Well, not yeah, right. I mean, we, before we get to that, you know, Dyson mentions, you know, that I guess they're at the doll and there's a celebration going on that uh, he says revolves around the fact that the Una Mens is no longer around. Ebony's no longer the Morgan. And he brings out the fact that apparently all the Fae want to try the unaligned approach, right? And, and, and It's I, all the rage. Is he, does he say democracy? Uh, he says, I have it written down here. He says, democracy oh. or something, I think. Yeah. I so, wrote it down. Darn it. Why can't my, oh, okay. uh, democracy. Yeah. That's oh, what he okay. says. So, you know, and which you is th- very awkward. Yeah. That's and not and a, you that's think not about word. it. It's an interesting concept that, that, you know, I, I'd mentioned earlier, uh, you know, in a previous podcast that, that I think that, that what's going to happen during season five is that something's going to bring something's going to happen. That's going to bring the light and the Fae together, that they're going to have to work together to defeat this third party. So, you know, this whole, everybody wants to be unaligned, but you know what this is, dude, this is socialism. This, that's all it is. You know, it is Dave. You got rooted out. It may be a list. Okay. Now you mentioned the thing about Vex, right? So Stacy senses that trick might be suitable Dyson, ah, he's a drunk. You don't want him. Um, and then he t- starts telling her which the story, which is really his story, right? His relationship with Bo, you know, the whole thing about the Norn. Well, right, because we think he's going to, at the end of it, say, and that man is I. Yeah, so, right. Not me, I mean, but I. Sacrifice himself. Right. And then he says, it's Vex. And we're like, dude, <laughs> she's so not going to buy that. You know, like... But on the other hand, I was thought, sweet, yeah. we're going to see Vex. That's awesome. Well, but, she follows the lead. Yeah, but we don't. There's no scene with Vex in it, though. Right, but then that's BS, dude. Well, it's like well, I toy with me like that. That's that's wrong. Well, I guess we're going to see him at some point because he's been tweeting out over the last couple months uh, from the set. But Stacy kisses Dyson, saying she's got to make sure he's not the one in love with Bo. And again, I'll ask that question: how How is he? getting past her litmus test i i I just don't know i mean i find it hard to believe he no longer loves her 
Oh, I, I do too. I totally find that hard to believe. And I just fear he's fooling her somehow, some way. But what kills me about that kiss is everyone's like, oh, I saw you kissing Stacy. It's like, really? Like, all the sex stuff that's going on in this show and all the people sleeping with all the other people, Deke snogs a girl in a bar and everyone's like all up in his stuff about it. Like, well, especially really? it's Tamsin, which is even funnier. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. Like, what is it? We, all of a sudden we get back to Puritan England or something? Come on. Yeah. Uh, well, in fact, you know, th- that's when she and Stacy start trading barbs back and forth. Uh, but we do find out then it gets serious real quickly when she tells Dyson that it was her job. This is Tamsin. It was her job to return Bo to her father, and that's obviously a lot of the guilt that Tamsin's got to work through. True, and you know, and the fact that she, you know, I think Valkyries are probably pretty proud of their work and everything, and you know, she just didn't do a very good job on this one, and right, and she has to you know live with the shame because she, you know, these Valkyries are her sisters still. It's you know that that relationship we assume is still very important to her. Right. Well, not very, but important, maybe. Well, right. And and what's also important is for her to basically prove to the rest of the gang that she's worthy of being part of the group. And, and you know, she tells Dyson, Bo's trapped in the underworld, and that you got to get back to the gates. And, you know, we later see that he's literally holding open the gates until yeah, Bo like we arrives. We thought they were just, yeah, we didn't realize that they meant that literally. Right. But then Stacy steals Dyson's phone. Tamsin says, I'll take care of her. I've been wanting to school that wench since Valkyrie High. Yeah, that would be a cool name of a high school, by the way. Yeah, no question. Now, and if there's anyone out there who actually went to a place called Valkyrie High, <laughs> just please tell us. I want, I want to read that on the air. That'd be awesome. Oh, no question. All right. Now, one of the other storylines focused with uh, the story of Kenzie and Lauren trying to free Bo, which, again, was, was another pairing we haven't seen a lot of and they were great together you know lauren we first see lauren's examining kenzie in part i guess as she says to make sure it's really kenzie and not some i guess shapeshifter right because that has happened you know you mentioned all the sex in this show and and obviously there has been a lot and, and that was a big part of the early seasons and and i guess as we've talked i I, I don't, you know, it's almost like it's gratuitous at this point. You know, the story's well, this, not about that. This particular that. scene was Ugh. totally gratuitous. Now, not unappreciated, don't get me wrong. Nah, I didn't like it. But gratuitous. Well, I thought, A, it was, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was compelling, I guess is the No, word. wait a minute. We're, maybe we're talking about different scenes. I mean, we're, in, you know, she's examining Kenzie. I you thought know, you were talking about the sex scene. Yeah, well, well, here's what I'm talking about. You know, she notes that Kenzie's heart's racing, and you know, then she's got the she wants to examine her, and she comes out with the tongue depressor that's supposed to be, I guess, shaped like a vibrator. Was it? Well, I mean, I mean that's I, I Ken, that's how it, Kenzie reacts. Uh, okay, I mean, I remember it was like a weird shape. It was like white and had like kind of a point at the one end. Yeah, but I don't think I went there with it. All right. Well, anyway, so. Um, <laughs> Lauren, though, does let Kenzie know the lengths that Bo went to to get the hell shoes to save Kenzie. So that, uh, yeah, I, I think at the end of season four, there was always that question uh, in Kenzie's mind, you know, how much does Bo love me? I mean, is Bo willing to risk it all to come, to come ask, save me? I thought you what does the fox say? Uh, no. Because <laughs> that was my question. Right. But my question, actually, Dave, is this. 
Do you go to a doctor who keeps vodka in her office? Well, I don't, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, would you? Um, yeah, I guess it would depend on what kind of God, uh, that's really upsetting news. I could use a drink. Hey, right here, I got you. <laughs> well, and, and nice touch, drinking out of the beakers. And yeah. what I did like, though, then the scene, you know, they're, they're drinking vodka out of beakers, and suddenly a beaker just falls off the table. And then someone or something writes help in the condensation on one of Lauren's medical devices. I don't know what it exactly is. I guess it doesn't really matter. It's which the thing. we assume and, and they assume it's Bo. And you know what you do when you assume, Dave. I do, in fact. So, yeah, and that's exactly what happened. All right. So we're back at the doll then later and and Trick's asking Kenzie, you know, if she considered that the ghost may have been something else you know maybe it wasn't Bo. right because honestly there's a lot of you know like dead people probably way more than living people right now at this point so if you're mucking about with a ouija board really who knows who you're pulling up there yeah that was a doctor who reference right there's more dead people oh yeah you're well yes inadvertent <laughs> but yeah that's how it works sometimes i don't even know i know no, that I'm makes it even it better. better yeah but the, but yeah i mean like seriously ha, like the minute they pull out the ouija board i'm like have you never seen any horror movies at all involving a ouija board like are you crazy don't mess around with that thing. Nothing good ever happens when people start mucking about with a Ouija board. Well, well, no. And, and of course, even Trick tells her conjuring spirits is never simple, which, yeah, you think. And, right. but, and again, given everything we've seen in this show, I we look, we understand they want to believe that it's Bo. And, and I think maybe even Kenzie more so than Lauren, and, and certainly Lauren wants it to be Bo. I mean, she certainly wants to, to have Bo back in her life absolutely more than likely it's an angry spirit that feels it was wrongly entombed and not simply Bo. right well i mean yeah we probably figured it well because when the spirit granted you know not necessarily the things happening as they are in the in the show are actually happening like that you know, in reality, not reality, but you know what I mean. So just because we see Bo in the scene before down in hell and the scene after still down in, in Tartarus, I'm sorry, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean she's not the spirit coming back. But because we do see her down in Tartarus right before and right after, we are certainly led to believe that in the context of the show, she's still down in Tartarus. So it's got to be some other spirit that's up there on earth. Yeah, no, right? did that make any sense at all? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like I got like in mid explanation, realized maybe I wasn't sounding like making sense. So. No, no, it definitely made sense. Okay, um, cool. Now uh, back at the clubhouse, you know, you mentioned about doctors drinking vodka on the job. Well, there there are prices to pay. Lauren's basically passed out on the bed. But somehow experiences, and this is this maybe what you were. This, you yeah, thought this I was, is what this is. What I thought you were talking about okay, yeah. the. Uh, I don't know what to call it. A parallel sexual experience. I don't know. It, it was you know. I mean, these things happen to me when I was a teenager often, but uh, you know, it's been a while. Right, because you know we'll get back and talk about Bo, uh, you know, in the underworld and her experience with Persephone. But obviously, this is at the same time that Bo and Persephone are kissing and it started with uh, Bo trying to heal 
and, and certainly evolved into something more than that. I guess my question is, are we to believe that Lauren and Bo have some kind of a psychic connection? Or that it happened through Persephone somehow? Okay, that, that then Persephone possesses the ability to connect with this human that she's never met, doesn't know about i mean we don't we're not yeah i don't i don't don't know how it happened it just happened man yeah so i'm a little you know fuzzy on what i think about that wakes up as kenzie brings in the ouija board which i think uh trick calls it a divination board but obviously same thing yep and she wants to use it i thought at first it was to find Bo, and i yeah but then it seemed to be to trap the spirit in it um I'm still a little fuzzy on what their intentions were, what they expected to be able to do with that board. Yeah, that's really unclear as to what what they were going to do. And then they burned it, which is, doesn't seem like a great idea either. Yeah. Now, as the the spirit is, you know, kind of like you know out and about. Right now, they did mention it. Uh, Kenzie mentions it that apparently conjuring Baba Yaga back in season two wasn't enough. Right and right. and. Now, even Lauren's complicit as Kenzie's trying to conjure up. I'm not sure what. And, and what she says, translated, is exit, exit, from the shadow, into the light, exit, exit. How do you know that? How'd you find that out? Well, I speak Russian, don't you? I mean, no. I learned Russian when it was clear we were going to see Kenzie occasionally. Really? No. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess Sputnik had just gone up back then, so Good I can see God. why you do this. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, one of the listeners who who also uh, was a big contributor on the Liberate Continuum podcast, Taltos, uh, emailed uh, a link that actually I think it was in a, a a tweet, but a link to the showcase site. See, they run some enhanced uh, okay. episodes, but we are geo blocked from seeing them and you know what she did was basically sent stills that then had certain information that was really handy and and that was certainly one of them so Uh, okay (laughs) either way then something appears like you said they burned tricks board once the spirit became trapped and agree that eh, that wasn't bow not not sure what it was but right not not bow and then uh Stacy walks through the front door telling the two bow, I think she calls them bow friends, that she's, <laughs> I'm here to feast on one of your souls. <laughs> See, I, I, yeah, that's one of the things I love about her. Yeah. We learn pretty quickly, she knows who she's after, right? Yeah, um, yeah I think so. Well, she's there for Lauren because Kenzie's off limits, right? The de- right. Bo, bo made the deal. So she's there to kill Lauren, take her soul back to Valhalla. And right. Tamsin walks in, and <laughs> I guess we'd have to argue that Tamsin prevails, although I think she'd be called for perhaps a personal foul taunting because <sighs> apparently you're not allowed to insult the Valkyrie's hair. Can't, can't go to the hair. Yeah, that was, that was genuinely funny. Like, when when they started like squaring out, I thought they were going to actually fight. I'm like, oh, all right, here we go, girl fight, you know. And then uh, apparently it was just a a taunting though. The Valkyries like that's how they fight each other. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, she even brings up the fact that 
Tamsin is willing to risk all of this during her last life. And I don't know if the others in, in the group, you know, Bo, Kenzie, Trick, uh, Dyson, if they are really cognizant of what it is, apparently she's risking. And, and, and I'm wondering uh, whether we'll see more of that in subsequent episodes. I hope so, because she's rapidly becoming one of my favorite characters in the show. Yeah, she's pretty funny. So, all right, getting kind of to the A story, which all of, you know, everything kind of revolves around. Bo's trapped inside of Tartarus. Um, the walls of doubt are, brought, are are mentioned, and I guess it's, you know, literally those walls or, or that that she's being tempted with all those voices that we hear, you know, that, that clearly, you know, oh, that's Kenzie's voice. Oh, that's, you know, somebody else's voice. And then you hear, like, the chosen one. Um, yeah. And it would really be cool to isolate all those. I guess I could have, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but that's a lot of time, though, dude. You yeah. do still have a job. But but really eerie. And, and clearly, it doesn't yeah, phase I, I, her. That, yeah, that's... The creep factor is, like, way high on that, right? I mean, it starts with that... the the fountain which is kind of creepy and like obviously the dark blue lighting type and then the voices yeah it really it's very creepy type of atmosphere they created there yeah and and it doesn't bother her though so clearly she's overcome her doubts and then all of a sudden some sort of creature takes a bite out of her leg you've just been bitch snacked <laughs> and uh apparently that was a puka and the only experience i have with a puka is in the donut kidding me jimmy stewart the what you never saw harvey jimmy stewart movie uh uh, i saw the play oh the giant rabbit yeah no i know you're talking about well he was a puka right okay okay well anyway dude i i saw that play like performed at the high school like when i was in high school okay. i saw this it like the first usually you're the one that know all the and i'm like nah, i haven't seen that one no nope, no nope. yeah yeah no I, you got me there that that's that's one that should be more in my uh menu notebook whatever yeah. i should have known that all right well you know we find that's out though that this puka is apparently working with the maze so you know they're personifying the maze that's there to keep bow tracked uh, to keep bow trapped right um Bo doesn't falter at all. Nothing bothers her. Defeats the maze, but then she's got two choices, right? Uh, and and again, Bo does what she always does: is like, you know, bitch, I'm gonna, you know, I, I want this door. This is the evil door, or whatever she says. I'm gonna, right. I'm, go, I'm going there. And then, uh, you know, this girl comes out and helps Bo. You know, saying things like, "He can never know I helped you," and and you know, at this point, we don't know that she's Persephone. But obviously, right. we we find out in in short she's just order. the the bird girl at this point. Yeah, right. That was great. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, she when when she takes her up to Tartarus, it looks almost exactly like the train station in Valhalla, except you know it's like deserted and very creepy looking, rather than this warm, bustling hotel. Yeah, I mean, like sheets over some of the things. I think, and, and right. you know, like you said, it was like a place that's been closed up for the winter yeah almost something you know out of the shining which obviously we had that shining reference in last week's episode yeah i know that's they're like two for two now you know stephen king didn't like that uh the movie really yeah i just read an interview with stephen king and rolling stone he was like he didn't care for the movie version of the shining wow that's surprising yeah because everyone else loves it (laughs) it's like one of the best horror movies ever i mean really i mean top 
top five easily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bo knows she's been here before. And like you said, of course, she knows she's been there. The clock is readily apparent. Um, she can't quite place it. We know, of course, it's, it's Valhalla, but it's different and alludes to the fact that her father won't let her leave. And then Persephone starts tending to her wound. And then, you know, Bo says, oh, I can heal myself if, Brown you, chicken if, you, cow. if, right, if you help. Uh, so, you know, they take it a little further than simply the cheese suck and, uh, you know, yeah. So Which, no. I mean, you kind of, once, once that started, like, I can heal myself. You know, I heard the bass kicking in at that point. You know, yeah. Just like, you knew what was going to happen here. What I didn't see happening is, you know, like somehow Lauren psychically getting in on this three-way or something yeah see and that's still a little bothersome for me i mean does that come is that bo's power that that went through you know so apparently bo's so powerful you know her psychic energy can transcend she can do people (laughs) on other planes right yeah that was wild you know that line that that persephone says about one is always starving in tartarus the key is to know what and what not to eat you know, and then I think even Bo mentioned something about the pomegranate seeds, and that's what I think when she starts putting things together about who she is, right? Which then I think by extension means Bo must have been paying attention in high school at least a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, she did have a pro rugby player as a history teacher. Yeah, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, so, and- which first of all, I have to say in this, okay, so a. Is there such a thing as, I guess there must be pro rugby in other places of the world, but, uh, you know, not where Bo went to high school. And all the Australian listeners are now turning off the podcast. Well, you can just write angry emails. Don't turn off the podcast, just write angry emails. And we'll, uh, we'll read it because no one else is writing. So uh, we will. Now, you mentioned in Project X that Persephone is the daughter of Demeter, her father, Zeus. You know, it's the and and then when you start talking mythology, things start to get a little sketchy. And in some stories, it's this this these are her parents, right. uh, but she even tells us she's the wife of Hades. And oh, by the way, girl, you just had sex with is your stepmother. So right now, yeah, that's there's all kinds of levels. Right to that. now, you know, okay, that that's cool, but uh, <laughs> that's cool. I, well, I mean, but I guess what I'm a little surprised that. She certainly seems to fear her husband. Oh yeah, that's that's palpable, man. So then, why would she help Bo? I mean, it's almost as if what you think he's not going to find out. Well, see, here's where I have to go back to Percy Jackson as well, okay. because Persephone has kind of an axe to grind because she's there under duress, right? Okay. She's a prisoner there, okay. so she's pissed. Okay, you know, she doesn't want to be here. She wants to be up on Earth, hanging out with her mom making flowers grow and well stuff. you know what actually now that you mentioned it probably makes sense is that she has an inkling as to how powerful Bo might become you know if i help you now maybe you'll help me later right you scratch my back i scratch yours by the boom by the bing yeah and and you know she tells Bo the story of her captivity and she mentions i think she called it the artemis flame and i guess that's the candle that we see later on yeah, hold on, hold on. The Artemis moon candle. Oh, right, right. Which I don't, I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I should have looked that one up, but I didn't. Right, and then you know, so so many of these little revelations came out in this episode. Bo 
realizing that it was her father that tried to trick her into ending the world and and uh you know the 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 implications of everything she's gone through that geez i mean you know four seasons ago she was just this uh girl with a bunch of ids stuffed up in a chimney that was just trying to uh you know stay one step ahead of the law and you know now my goodness she may end up being the most powerful being in the universe yeah it was bound to happen yeah (laughs) i guess (laughs) all right well yeah i mentioned before going you know bo's got to go through you know one door she's got to make a choice all right so bo goes through one of the doors despite Persephone's pleas to the contrary, finds herself in that baby's room that we saw her in during the episode of her dawning. She's now wearing that white gown that we remember from before instead of the black and then sees that tiny baby. And then, you know, that, that recognition that I was born in hell, which that's, that's quite a revelation to have to now come to grips with. Yeah, well, actually, I can sympathize because there's a lot of girls I've known in my life who told me the exact same thing. <laughs> so, um, And then Persephone shows her the cages. And, you know, it goes back to when we met Aoife. And, you know, it seemed like we saw Aoife more than we actually did. I think I, I saw something where we really only saw her in about five or six episodes. And we really had this, I mean, I certainly left with, pretty negative feelings about Aoife and and the way she treated Bo. But now now we get an almost totally different story, right? I mean, we know she was imprisoned, right? We learned that from Trick. We learned that before we even met her. Yeah. Um, But now we see the cage, and Persephone tells her that he would only let her hold you to feed you. You know, and that uh, he would gloat over what his daughter would become as if there was this foreshadowing that she was going to be, I don't know, what, queen of the underworld. I guess, what, take daddy's place? Right, Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, And that's kind of like when you, like if you've ever gone to a prison or anything like that, um, and you you look in a, um, you know, in, in the cells, and you think, well, someone actually stayed here. You know, someone was actually in the cell and it you know you're just like damn you know because you think about what their life was like in there and you can just see Bo. it's not just like bumming her out and as my mother was a prisoner but she actually pictures what Aoife's life was like and that really you know affects her it really moves her yeah how, how could it not and uh persephone though also alludes that hades has lost his power and we don't really find out how i mean do the gods just get old and die and and you know he's been grooming his daughter to take his place so yeah he's not really a, a god though right who hades? Like, i mean they say that well i mean hades in greek mythology is but in in here it seems like because that he's a fae right and not a god well i mean very powerful fae but of course i guess that begs the question do we really have gods in the traditional sense right but we we <sighs> Now I'm trying to think if we've actually had God gods. I don't think we have, but in here. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're in that cage still. And then Bo pulls away those two layers of wallpaper. And underneath the second layer is this crude drawing of a mother and child underneath. And then, you know, she tells her she meant for you two to leave together. But her mother 
made sure that it was Bo that got the leave instead of her. So again, that 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 self sacrifice from Efa that you know we we really never knew before. Like even from the the first when um when when she quote unquote died, um she lets herself die right. She she tells Bo to release her right in season one. Yeah. So that self sacrificing strain in her is kind of we've been seeing that. Kind of right from the start. Yeah. When she wasn't like having sex with Dyson and things yeah, like good that. Point. All right. Well, Persephone tells Bo that she can get to her father through the elevator. And she, Bo goes in. There's one button glowing blue. So, of course, she pushes that. And then again, some awesome uh, visuals. Bo's now total darkness. She's the only thing that's illuminated. And she's speaking to her father about her true family. You know, obviously she's referring to Kenzie and Dyson and Lauren uh, and Trick. I'll never be what you want me to be. I'm going to take everything that you have. You don't like it? Come and get me. And then Bo takes that candle. Um, I, you know, I'm wondering if again that's foreshadowing because I think maybe she will be everything that he wants her to be. Now the question will be. You know, I'm wondering, is there going to be some kind of a twist, you know, that her father turns out to not really be evil? I mean, obviously, it's it's kind of looking like he is, but. Right. But, of course, you know, with the setup like this, then, you know, that's the perfect way to turn around and just be like, oh, no, he's not so bad. Yeah. Now, uh, suddenly the hand comes out of nowhere and chokes yes. her. Right. Right. And I'm assuming it's her father, but you're not. Totally convinced. Yeah, I don't know. It was just like a weird, hairy, like kind of wolfman arm, you know? Wasn't it? I wasn't sure. Am I wrong? It was was weird. It was like a weird arm. Okay, but is that where the white handprint on her shoulder came from? Is this like some kind of weird, you know, circuitous route that, uh, I mean, I don't know. Well, she gets away, reconnects with Persephone, uh, and then takes the Artemis moon candle Persephone tells her she can't leave the center of the maze. And then, you know, again, we were talking about this uh, earlier in the week. I started getting confused as to whether there were two candles or did Bo put one down. And then Persephone picked the same one up and handed it to Bo. Bo promises to light the candle and return to free her. So I guess we have to assume there's just one candle. Yeah. But here's the thing also. So Bo claims that she actually paid attention to her teacher and everything and learned mythology. If she learned the mythology, she would know, you don't take anything out of Hades or Tartarus with you, man. You know, like that, nothing good's going to come of that, of yeah. bringing something with you, you know? Yeah, no, that's true. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Well, <laughs> she does make it out. Uh, you know, we see the scene, Dyson's holding open the gates of Valhalla for her and Boy, when you said you swore fealty to me, you really meant it. But here's, okay. She says, thanks for waiting. And my question is, is she referencing their relationship? Yeah, right, right. Because that's, they were like in a holding pattern. Yeah. Or they were, I can't remember what they kept saying, the euphemism. Right. And, and I mean, way back when we had that whole thing that, you know, hey, Lawrence, Lawrence human, I can wait her out. You know, she'll right. di- she'll die. I'll still have plenty of years left. My question is also, we know she's the unaligned succubus. Right. Are we going to see at the series end 
she's also going to be unaligned in her relationships? Well, you know, that's an excellent question, Dave. Uh, I, I have thought about this, actually. Like, what is going to be, at the end of the series, who is she going to be with? And, you know, I know I will probably enrage uh, a large part of the audience by saying, I don't think she's going to be with anyone. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And- you know, uh, she's not going to be with Lawrence. She's not going to be with Dyson. She's definitely not going to be with Dyson. I'm I'm pretty darn sure of that. Um, but yeah, maybe I I think the best would just Bo kind of walking off into the sunset. Yeah. So yeah. Now we have kind of uh, what I'm calling the culmination scene, which kind of leads into the final scene, and everything's apparently well. Bo, Dyson, Lauren, Trick, Kenzie, and Tamson are sitting around a dinner table. It's a situation that most of us will get to partake in, and. <laughs> what's up with Dyson and Tamson? It's like, you know, are they more, you know, they do the little pinky thing friends. I'm yeah. wondering, eh, you know, maybe they're going to be a little bit more than friends. I mean, Bo's not, he's a, you know, he's a wolf. He's got his needs. Sure. They, they actually, I mean, they didn't, I don't think they, they hooked up, but they kissed before. Yeah. We, we think but maybe that was something, but past life though, too. So yeah. Now, uh, when asked, Bo refuses to tell trick about the underworld, which I thought was, I don't know, kind of a little odd, and and you're wondering that that okay, he's her grandfather, and, and you know now we're finding out who his father is, and obviously we know he's you know his daughter, uh, you know was was you know he's not connected by blood to Hades, but still because he was he was wasn't he fighting this guy right? There was yeah. not the whole thing with there was a war between Hades and 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 Trick and uh, and Ifa was like the collateral damage right yeah, right right and then ended up being imprisoned for what was it 500 years or whatever yeah, something like that yeah long long ass time um and then dyson gives kenzie this folded up piece of paper that was something that hale had left in his will now how is quote back to life kenzie after valhalla and an almost wedding to hale and, and and obviously we see a totally changed Kenzie at the end of this episode. And I think it was really um, a bold move on the, on the part of the showrunners. Uh, I thought the writers did a great job with this. Um, you know, she's got difficulty dealing with the fact that she's not Faye and she's lost the love of her life. And she says, I died in addition. And, and it's yeah. like, she died that, on that so many kind of, levels. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 that was a thing too. She did die and everything. So um, yeah, she's in a really bad place now. And now she's back, and but I still like this. Just seems so jarring, you know. Like I, I get where it came from, but it still seemed to come out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she feels like she's got a second chance at life, literally and figuratively. And she says, "I need to go." And I don't know whether we've seen Bo cry in any previous season. I mean, I but, but she is here. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we have. Right. And we find out Hale left her some land off the coast of Spain. And the other thing that I thought was interesting was the way Kenzie was dressed because the clothes she was wearing certainly exhibited personal style, but it was like a grown-up suit. Right. Grown-up luggage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like, like actual, like, real people professional type clothes I, I, the professionals not necessarily the word but yeah growing up i guess yeah like this you know the seriousness of purpose that we really haven't seen before i mean we have but not 
on this level. So, right. uh, and obviously the question we're all asking, is this it? Are we going to see her again? And I think we're going to see her again. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think so. If, if nothing else, she's definitely going to be back for like the very last show. You know, the, the series finale. She's, she's got, she's got to be back. Like I would have like put that in her contract somewhere. Like whatever you do, you have to be back for the very last show. Okay. Well, you know that, you know, that's going to happen. Ah, yeah, I guess maybe. All right. Well, final scene, Kenzie's gone and Bo starts to pull those wooden slats that are nailed at an angle across the windows in the clubhouse. Yeah. Letting light in. I mean, symbolic, I guess. Uh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, she's opening up. And also it's it kind of like a, a new, like a new place, a new, mm-hmm. like, like just like newness, yeah. right? Re- rebirth kind of. Well, I, And I'm not going to hide anymore. Uh, I'm letting the light in people can see in, you know, this is who I am. You can look in my windows. Uh, and then, uh, the, uh, again, now we get really confusing at the end, which I love the blonde in the business suit, getting on an elevator and, and by the phone conversation she's having, she must be some sort of a lawyer. And then all of a sudden we see Bo back at the clubhouse, lighting the candle that Persephone gave her. And then suddenly the woman in the elevator is holding the same lighted candle. Yeah. With some evil grin on her face. Yeah. Any, or mischievous any ideas? Grin. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I got, I literally have nothing here. So it's weird because, all right, so Bo goes to light the candle at first and the lighter fails. And so the woman, like she's holding the candle for a little bit and then it disappears. Yeah. And then, so Bo lights it again. And this time the wick lights and when the wick actually lights, then the candle appears in the in the woman's hands and stays there. And then she gets that very strange looking grin on her face. And then the the lights go dark, and you hear people screaming and everything. Yeah. Um, and then you also mentioned about the the other people in the elevator. Yeah. And I, I noticed the one on the right, but I didn't notice the other one you mentioned. Yeah. So the guy to to our right or your right or, the, or, her, or her right. Yeah, I don't know. The, 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 like when you're looking at your TV screen, the one on the right. Okay, so you notice the the female in the hoodie. Yes. Who's in profile, but has her hood up, so you can't see her face, and looks like she's got sunglasses on. Um, and she's standing there, so facing away from the woman in the center of the picture. Um, and and then to the to our left, the right of the woman in the picture is a guy in a suit with his back to the camera. And both of them stay each time. Like there's, there's must be like six different shots that they have, and each time those two people stay in the same position. Um, and it's just really like struck me as as very unusual. And uh, so I, yeah, I don't even I can't begin to say what what it's all about and what it means. But it was that was a a, a really wild scene. Well, and then the other you know the whole uh, metaphor of the elevator. Uh, I mean, right. obviously, we saw the elevator in Valhalla that Bo was in several times, you know, and, and certainly the whole going up, going down. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. We will. When we'll find out, I don't know. But, you know, actually, it seems like things are moving pretty quickly now. I, I think, you know, you say, well, they got 16 shows, so they got plenty of time. But really, they got eight and eight, right? And I imagine most both of those half seasons are going to be kind of a little season in and of itself. Right. And as we get closer to the end of uh, the first half of the season, 
I, I think we, we can maybe start making some predictions. And, geez, I mean, you look at other genre shows right now, because obviously, as we've said many times, the midseason finale seems to be something that's here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future. And you look at shows right. like Arrow and their midseason finale, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Uh, so you wonder what they're going to do here with any of the characters. So, you know, as we get closer, it's cer- certainly something that'll be fun to talk about. Right. But I think, you know, how we complained last season about how ponderous it was and how they weren't really answering anything. And yeah. the pace was just slow, slow, slow. And now they're throwing things at you a mile a minute where I can, I, I can't even pause to take notes. I'm like going crazy over here, you know? Yeah. Anyway, good stuff. Great episode. Looking forward to, uh, and, and that's the other nice thing. We've got eight in a row. And then we don't know how long the break's going to be yet. But, uh, you know, we'll worry about that when it comes. So like to thank you for joining us tonight. If you'd like to send some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Emails to fatalistpodcast at gmail.com or voicemails via SpeakPipe, which you can access through the Fatalist website. We will be back next week to talk about Lost Girl Season 5, Episode 3, entitled Big in Japan. But, you know, Dave, whoever decided to cancel Lost Girl, you know, He's an asshole, perceived by me to be an asshole. <laughs>